Tony Hines here, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Great to be here. This is the News Roundup. All things impacting global supply chains this week. Ford Motor Company said this week that it's recalling 125,000 sport utility vehicles and trucks because of engine failures, which may cause a fire. It covers various models, Escape, Lincoln Corsair SUVs and Maverick, compact pickup trucks from the 2020 to 2023 models with a two and a half litre hybrid or plug-in hybrid engine. Ford said that isolated engine manufacturing issues may cause the problems in the engine to fail prematurely and when it does, the engine oil or fuel vapour may be released, increasing the risk of fire and injury. You might recall the Ford initially recalled 100,000 Escape, Corsair and Maverick vehicles in the United States back in July 2022 after it identified 23 reports globally of fires or smoke because of a suspected block or an oil pan breach. Even after that fix in 2022, Ford did report it had at least three vehicles that suffered fires. If anyone experiences the uh, problem, they're advised by Ford to park the car and shut off the engine. Symptoms are often engine noise, a loss of vehicle power, or you might see smoke. Tension between the United States and China over chip technologies has given impetus to South Korea to come out and say it's going to support the chip industry to maintain its lead in semiconductor technologies. Two of South Korea's biggest chip makers are Samsung Electronics and SK Hynix. And they depend on US technology and equipment, but they're caught in between the United States and China because at the same time, 40% of South Korea's chip exports go to China. So when Washington announced restrictions on exports of chip-making tools to China last October, it did actually give exemption to Samsung and Hynix for a year, which have manufacturing facilities in China, so they could import tools without having to apply for a license. But it's not clear whether the extension of the waiver will be extended. The risks could increase as the dispute escalates and it could really damage the availability of semiconductor supply chain components, including more extreme rulings or bans by either the United States or China. Geopolitical tensions are the biggest risk for companies managing in this area. South Korea's president, Yoon Suk-yeol, said the competition in the industry has become an all-out war. He met last week with 60 industry leaders, lawmakers and ministers in a bid to maintain South Korea's lead in memory chips, foster development of system semiconductors and ensure the security of materials, equipment and labour in the supply chain for those semiconductors. The port of Long Beach in California is trying to become the first port terminal facility to have zero emissions. Many fear job losses, of course. The port has got a $30 million grant to electrify tractors at the port, and it's likely to increase automation. The port authority says it wants to be free of carbon by 2030. All this is going on, of course, while there's still the West Coast port shutdown, with labour negotiations dragging on. This has been going on for about a year now. About half of US intermodal shipments use intermodal trade, and the situation at ports is important 
for rail traffic just as much as trucks and everything else. Shippers will be looking to other ports on the East Coast and even as far north as Canada, to the ports of Vancouver and elsewhere. Other Gulf ports, such as New Orleans and Chesapeake, and ports of Virginia and New York, will also take trade away, as they have been doing in the past year. Union Pacific had lifted a temporary pause on all US exports and empty containers to the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach because of rail congestion, but Pacific Ocean region is now red on the ITS logistics, US Port Rail Ramp Freight Index, and this is because of the breakdown in talks between the ILWU and the ports, and the subsequent shutdown of terminals up and down the west coast. Now, Lorianne Larocco has been reporting this story for a number of weeks, and she keeps a close eye on these things, and she does reports for freight waves and, of course, for CNBC. Ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach have experienced delays in processing vessels at the terminals in the past few months, and the current vessel wait times are stressing the maritime supply chains, which haven't been seen since, of course, the pandemic at its peak. The Department of Transport in the US and, of course, the Biden administration are said to be keeping watch on the situation. And, of course, obviously, they have a vested interest with the supply chain resilience campaign that they've been driving in the past year. Vessels are already said to be waiting additional times to enter the port. And so we could have ships stacking up, waiting to be unloaded once again. Retailers and manufacturers want the Biden administration to intervene. And they want the president himself, actually, to get on side and sort out the ports so that they can get things moving again. These disruptions are not good for anybody. If you remember, the Biden administration and Congress stepped in last year at the 11th hour to avert a freight railroad strike, which could have shut down the national economy. But here we are again in less than 12 months. I think many of the terminal operators and some of the dock labor force at the California ports are pretty sore about some of the things that are happening presently. And they feel a little betrayed, I think, from reading... Paul Berger's comments he writes for the Wall Street Journal, and he said just as it was appearing that the labour deal was within reach, dock workers are stopping operations at major ports, and in Southern California they've issued statements saying that the terminal operators are thumbing their nose at the workforce basic requests, and they're saying that the health risks that they took and the loss of lives that some of these working people endured during the pandemic didn't matter to them because they were expendable in the name of profits. So, sound quite hurt by the way things are happening. So something needs to happen now to resolve the issue and sort this out. And both sides might have to give a little, one feels. According to the Wall Street Journal, China's trade is also slowing down. There's a drop in exports, which was part a reflection on the higher base of comparison to May last year, and that's dropped considerably. That was at a time when the country was starting to emerge from the strict lockdowns in Shanghai. That stifled supply chains and disrupted many. China's exports fell in May by 7.5%, and that's higher than expected, while imports also declined by 4.5%. The world's second largest economy grew faster than expected in the first quarter, but factory output has slowed 
and it's the rising interest rates, inflation and increasing costs which have squeezed US and European demand. And that fall in demand, of course, has put pressure on oil prices too. The demand for energy falls as production lowers. But that's only one month's data, so we'll have to see how it plays out for the rest of the quarter and the rest of the year. Other Asian trade powerhouses also reported falling exports, as the global economy is cooling. Certainly a chill wind blowing anyway. Exports from South Korea fell by 15.2% in May, compared with the year earlier. And this is due to the fall in exports of semiconductors, computers and electronic goods. Exports from Vietnam are also down 6%. So after last year's expansion of around 5%, according to the OECD, they're now reporting that global trade flows will only rise about 1.6% this year. I read a piece by Alessandra Salgado, who is an associate editor at Supply Chain Dive this week, that mentioned DHL is relocating e-commerce facilities to Kansas City, and it's adding automation. DHL e-commerce solutions is moving, of course, from St. Louis, Missouri, to Kansas City, Missouri. It will process more volume to meet the growing demand in the Midwest. That's what DHL said this week in an announcement. The facility is double the size of the previous one, 124,700 square feet. It's an $18 million investment and it will employ more than 125 workers. It also has two automated parcel sorters and they can process 28,000 parcels an hour to tubs, carts and gaylords. Well, that final term, Gaylord, just reminded me of the film Showboat and Gaylord Ravenel, wasn't it? He was the character... It was The Gambler on the Riverboat. Great film, that. Some good music, of course. Paul Robeson's Old Man River. Fantastic. In the context of what we're talking about, of course, just for those that don't know, you'll know what a tub and a cart is, but you may not know what a Gaylord is. A Gaylord is a, a box for bulk materials, and that's the name of the box. Gaylord was the name of the original company that manufactured these cardboard boxes. It's a pallet-sized box for bulk material. They're corrugated cardboard, and they're used for one time only. And it was the Gaylord Company that made them. Gaylord, of course, comes from the French Galliard. The Gaylord Container Company were based in St. Louis, Missouri. Amazing what you learn, isn't it, studying supply chains? Learn all sorts of things. The Tempe, Arizona-based company, Carvana, said it's now averaging about $6,000 gross profit per unit. It's a record for the company and it's an improvement of 63% on what it was previously. Carvana shares rose 51% on the news. They're now just about 45.6% but they shot up immediately and they're last traded at $22.61 with about 61 million shares changing hands according to Reuters. So it looks like the second quarter was a good one for Carvana and obviously they're moving back into profit even though the company is still quite debt-laden, according to sources. But the second quarter adjusted earnings before interest, tax, depreciation and amortization is above 50 million US dollars. Carvana, of course, trade in second-hand cars. It was rumoured this week that Tesla are about to invest in a car plant in Valencia. 
according to Reuters. And Spain's the number two car manufacturer in Europe. And they've been using COVID recovery funds to try and attract more car makers and EV battery makers to Spain to bolster the industry. Well, this week there's been one of the biggest wildfires break out in Canada in more than 20 years. And it's covered many of the northern states, down as far as South Carolina, in fact, with orange clouds of dust from ground level right through to the clouds. And it's another hazard of climate change that these exceptional events, or once exceptional events, break out without warning. And of course, it's affecting people's health and breathing difficulties with the smoke dust. And many events and many production units have had to close down because of the problem. It will probably clear in about a week, but it's pretty bad. The air pollution index measured it at 400. At noon on Thursday, the air quality index in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania was 404, which is extremely hazardous. And 300 is said to be hazardous and 100 unhealthy. But the pollution is exceptionally bad. And visibility is poor too and flights will have to be cancelled. To give you some indication, 100 is said to be unhealthy, and in some of the worst polluted cities throughout the world, the index is much lower than currently being experienced in New York at 374, and of course in Pennsylvania at 404, and in other states. In Dubai it's 168, Delhi 164. So that gives you some comparison. New York Governor Kathy Hochul said it's an emergency crisis. There are already growing concerns around the world that the climate crisis is no longer top of the agenda in some places because of the war in Ukraine. And that's struck a blow to the plans for net zero by 2030. And the cost increases may become unbearable. And I saw a statistic, I think it was in the last week, saying there are 27 wars around the globe going on. But by far the biggest, of course, is Russia's invasion in Ukraine. And this week we have the damage to the dam in Kherson, in Ukraine, which has flooded the plains surrounding the dam. So there are many towns and villages which are now underwater. And of course, the nuclear power station is not very far away and it draws its water from the river and the dammed area that's been destroyed. So that's an environmental disaster too, as well as a human one. And so all those man-made events are doing irreparable damage in many ways, including to the environment. The destruction of the Kakova Dam is both an agricultural disaster and it will hit global food supplies. The surging floods from the Dnipro River have caused immense damage. The global price for wheat and corn soared after the explosion ripped through the dam on Tuesday. And it renews fears about Ukraine's ability to ship food to Africa, the Middle East and parts of Asia. It's also cut off drinking water for hundreds of thousands of people. And it could turn southern Ukraine into a desert area. Ukraine is one of the largest producers of grain. It produces 35% of world sunflower oil, 40% of sunflower meal and 5% of all the corn, wheat and barley. And the reservoir was the main source of irrigation for the wheat fields of southern Ukraine. So this isn't just an attack on Ukraine, it's an attack on the world. 
China Vice President Han Zheng said on Thursday that the country is willing to deepen cooperation with Britain's financial sector, and they want to promote sound development of bilateral economic and trade relations. That's according to the Chinese state media. Despite all the cost of living and the economy woes, new car sales in the UK grew by 16.7% last month, compared to the same period in 2022. 145,204 new cars were sold, and it's the 10th consecutive month of growth for the UK car market. Car manufacturing continues to recover from the semiconductor chip shortage, which had slowed vehicle production in 2020. Despite the progress, it's still 21% lower than in May 2019. 52.5% of the sales were company fleet sales. Electric car vehicles, meanwhile, reached 24,513 in May, an increase of 58.7% over May 2022. In total, 16.9% of all new cars sold were fully electric in May 2023. Hybrid sales were not far behind at 17,792, an increase of 22.2% compared with May a year ago. Plug-in hybrid sales also grew 23%, stood at 9,025. They're a less popular choice. Petrol cars remain still the favourite, with consumers with car sales being 82,200. That's 12.5% higher than in May last year. Diesel cars are in decline. Less than 8% of cars sold in May 2023 had a diesel engine. Amazon warehouse workers in Coventry will be on strike next week for three days, and it's about pay. The GMB union said... It will occur on the 12th to the 14th of June, and they have an 800-strong membership at the site. They say Amazon have brought in more staff to undermine this union membership, and so they're unhappy about that too. Net migration in the United Kingdom was up by 606,000. That's the net figure. The total population in the UK is around 67 million, compared to France at 67.7 million and Germany at 83 million. The rising population, of course, is a problem, but it's not as big a problem as a falling population. It's a problem because services and infrastructure have to be built and developed, and of course they need somewhere to live if we have more people coming into the country than going out. China has always denied spying on the West, but doesn't everybody deny spying on anybody else? always. Well, this week, news came of a spy centre being developed in Cuba, which is just a few miles from the Florida coastline. And that's designed, of course, to spy on someone. I wonder who it could be. I think it might be the United States. Sometimes proposed policies designed to do some good actually do harm. And supermarkets have already said that the government's proposals in the United Kingdom To have a voluntary cap on food basics could prolong food inflation higher than it needs to be. It's a plan that was similar to the one used in France, where food inflation remained high. Retail and food industry commentators have warned that it's really about soaring energy prices, labour and transport costs. And the cap won't make a jolt of difference to the prices. So they're tackling the symptom and not the cause. 
Food prices in the UK do remain high. They're at 19.1%, according to the Office of National Statistics. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has been in the United States this week, and President Biden and Prime Minister Sunak announced the Atlantic Declaration in the Oval Office. This is an agreement for the United Kingdom and the United States to have a new civil nuclear partnership to lock Russia out and a research link on artificial intelligence, 5G, 6G, quantum physics and semiconductors, and also agreement over critical minerals. And the UK has been put on a list of preferred countries. It's perhaps an example of friendshoring. Remember, I've been going on about friendshoring on the Chain Reaction podcast for some time. Well, this is friendshoring in action. President Biden will ask Congress to let the United Kingdom firms benefit from US government investment, plus new digital trade deals are also confirmed. And the big news for Prime Minister Sunak is he wants to hold the first AI conference in the autumn in the United Kingdom, and that looks likely. He said he wants to raise artificial intelligence to the same level as climate change. Well, the port of Felixstowe, which is part of Hutchison's port network, has signed a deal with Shanghai Westwell Technology to get 100 battery-powered autonomous trucks. The order follows a tender process that took place. Hutchison Ports has already introduced Westwell's Q-Trucks at Terminal D in Thailand Laim Chabang Port in 2020. 15 Q-Trucks run in mixed-mode operation, and they don't separate from any other traffic they go with the flow, and they've handled 334,020 equivalent unit containers since their introduction. Clements Cheng, who's the CEO at the port of Felixstowe and executive director of Hutchison, said, We're really excited to be working in partnership with Westwell to bring their groundbreaking and AI-driven technology to the port of Felixstowe, following the positive introduction of autonomous trucks at our terminal in Thailand. And after a thorough and successful testing in Felixstowe, we're rolling out the system in the United Kingdom. The new trucks will increase the efficiency and operational consistency of our container handling, as well as making a significant contribution to decarbonising operations at the port. So that looks an interesting development. Well, just before I go, just want to remind you about the episodes that you've missed. Stop by the Chain Reaction website and have a look. Been some great episodes in the past few weeks, artificial intelligence, benchmarking, the episode on supply chain efficiency, how to become a better supply chain manager, and many others. So stop by, have a look around, and pick up the ones you like. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented, and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. 
I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.